Hi. Hi. Hi, Anand. Hello. Hi, and welcome to the Voido podcast, where we do a weekend review of everything we saw, read, overheard, and listened to in the world of monetization, advertising at large, uh, streaming, and the internet. With me is the ever energetic Kavita Shinoy, founder and CEO of Voido. Welcome, Kavita. Thank you. Thank you. What did we? discuss this week in Voiro's airwaves. Oh man, we had so much going on uh this week. I'm so glad that our last meeting got cancelled, which was at 5 p.m. on a Friday. But we've had a lot of reports out, everybody's results are out, there's some stuff happening on regulation. Um I know you and I listened to a whole bunch of podcasts separately so that we could prepare for this because we got a lot of feedback last week as well from our previous podcast. One somebody told me, "Can you not talk so much about the weather?" So, a uh, small hat tip towards the weather i mean this is all climate change and everything else but i know that you came across an extremely interesting um segue from climate change and how it impacts ads mm-hmm. you want to tell us about that um i have been looking into some of the themes at various events across the world various advertising and monetization events and one of the things that i came across which was also covered in um the ad exchanger podcast right was sustainability in programmatic advertising and i'm really glad to see it take not center stage just yet but more prominence in um advertising conversation and there's a company called good loop which was on the ad exchanger podcast and they were talking about the fact that programmatic advertising being as inefficient as it is right now is leaving behind a carbon footprint that we must not ignore yeah as the tides change and as everything we know about advertising um gets fixed everything from identity to measurement to spo and i think that while the entire industry is going through tectonic shifts that will determine the next maybe 20 30 years of the internet itself um it's important to make sure that we keep sustainability within our radar yeah and um it was a nice podcast where they were talking about innovative tech pieces that are being put in place to help measure yeah the impact of current programmatic systems and various things we can do to not just keep an eye on it but to keep it under control very true we've always discussed this right there is data sure but do you really need to trawl through all that data do you really need to collect all that data just because you can and i mean where are you going to keep all of this information uh, since we're on regulation and sustainability and the future uh, i think yesterday the senate in the us spoke about uh, cdta which was competition and transparency in digital advertising they are trying to put out an act i don't know whether it's passed as yet or no but it's a bit it's um it's a bit confusing there are a lot of interpretations of it it'll it is something that is going to impact publishers uh consumers in the way we see ads because like you know probably the most impacted with this particular regulation and this particular act will be google because it it's a mammoth and it developed at a point where nobody is really looking in that direction so it has dfp and you know all the other ad tech uh tools which is all under gam and um one of the things that they say is that if you're earning um advertising up to i think more than 20 billion dollars yeah you can't own both sides of the playground you can do only one 
It's either an SSP or a DSP. So there's a, there's a lot on, you know, what's going to happen. Um, it's positive as well as negative. But I feel like just like this whole cookie deprecation thing, Google is going to be at the center of everything and the ecosystem is going to get impacted. Everybody has to prepare. So it'll take some time before things actually settle into place. But we'll have to watch out for this one yeah. because everybody's about not concentrating power into the hands of one. And unfortunately for Google, it, it, it was, you know, uh, something that happened over time. It wasn't something that they deliberately went after because they killed competition. It was because no, it was nobody else was picking up the gauntlet at that point in time. So, yeah. Did you do any interesting reports? I did. Um, Neeraj Sharma, who's a dear friend of ours from Accenture, uh, put out Accenture's report this week, which was a very interesting read. And it was titled, Streaming's Complex Consumer. Yeah. And, of course, it goes into some very interesting details about how we, the DNA of the modern consumer is one that is hard to understand and hard to crack. And... Apparently, over 67% of consumers are extremely frustrated with the kinds of recommendations that they receive from streaming companies. And as I was thinking about it, I realized that, you know, in its early days, recommendations were fascinating because of what they did. Yeah. Not because of the quality of what And how people, how uh, uh, companies actually bought titles based on recommendations, right? Yes. I remember when Pandora first came out, I was so blown away by the fact that it could recommend new music to me. And a lot of artists I listen to today came out of those early recommendations. And I still remember that Pandora wasn't accessible in India, but there was a hack, which is all you had to do was enter a US zip code in your profile and you could access Pandora from India up to a point. (laughs) Oh, you had to know what zip code it was. 90210. It's the only one I knew. Oh my god! Back when I was in high school, so the I guess what's happened is because of the number of streaming services, and today there are so many. And the report talks about how forty percent of users actually have three or more subscriptions that they pay for, and of course many that they might mooch off of. Yeah. So you're now dealing with multiple platforms that are making recommendations in a very localized context because that's the data they have. So now the quality of recommendations that you receive across platforms starts to become something you pay attention to. Yep. Because you sit down with your dinner on the couch. Of course, nobody eats on the dining table these days. But you sit down and try to decide what you're going to watch, what you're going to consume. And how many times have we had a situation where my food's gone cold because by the time I figure out what I want to watch, it's been 30, 40 minutes. And this has clearly led to some fatigue and it also reminds me of a TED talk that I stumbled across and a book called The Paradox of Choice by Professor Barry Schwartz who was talking about how you walk down a grocery store and you go to the orange juice aisle and you're dealing with juice, 10% pulp, 20% pulp, fat free, sugar free, extra vitamin D. There's so many variants now that you will never know if you made the right choice. And he uses, I think, jeans as an example, where he says, you know, in in the 70s, there was only one kind of jeans and it fit horribly. And over time, it just figured out the shape of your body and fit you. But today, there's low cut, boot cut. Yeah. I kind of miss those days when you just walked into the house, switched on your favorite channel and just watched whatever was on at that point in time. Yeah. True. So the report talks about the need for better recommendations because of this frustration. 
and possibly aggregation across platforms or data sharing across platforms as a way to bring about collaboration so that you can really get to know the consumer who is a complex being individual being yeah. beast yeah there's a there's a word for this right we were talking about this earlier sometime which was which is filter bubble right i get irritated by the filter bubble that i am put into okay i watch bridgerton so that doesn't mean that i'm just in this vintage regency romance bubble all the time or yes i watched one some murder but really do you want i don't want to really have a reel of just murders in my in my netflix and i keep snooping into my husband's profile to see what is he getting recommended and you know i'm always constantly surprised by the by the stuff that i would never find on my own because i mean the catalog is vast and of course i'm one of those people and so is your household where you know you have more than 3 or any latest ott it's an embarrassing number it's an embarrassing number yes um and so but you know you don't want to miss out but conversely in news and uh, maybe in lifestyle or publishing you're fine being put in that bubble i want more architecture digest i want to know how people man- manage their homes or i want to know what's the latest in fashion or food or etc you know so i don't mind going deeper there and of course if uh, you know your if you want the news you really want to know specific types of news so there the filter bubble makes sense in content you want to constantly be surprised and i know netflix has this whole surprise me thing but you still got to do a lot of work there because you you're still flipping through because you're like no 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 this is not it so yeah Speaking of streaming, I know you listened to Peter Kafka's. Yes, a little late in the day. So, uh, yeah. It was I think he released it in the Record Media. Yeah, podcast. yeah, it, he released it in April, and he had uh, two of his ex colleagues on it. There was Parrot Analytics, represented by uh, Julia, and she said something very, um, very endearing. Right. So they were talking about obviously this is not about ads and things like that. They were talking about general streaming and you know the this whole thing about the filter bubble and how things are plateauing out. And she says monetization of love leads to people signing up for a specific streaming service. So you love something, right? You love that movie. You love cricket. You love you love some new release, whatever, right? And then you stay for the rest of the content. So there's a lot of juggling that people are doing where they sign up for something because of. some kind of love that they have for that content and then they move somewhere else and then they went on to talk about a whole bunch of things that each of these streaming platforms really need to do to stay relevant right so netflix is trying out games which yesterday we were talking in the car and i'm really excited about that i feel like that could be a forerunner for their ad business uh disney has theme parks plus their metaverse uh, strategy and now we recently get, uh, there was a there was a press release about how they're going to monetize disney plus um Uh, in the coming months and it's going to be between 50 to 60 dollars cpm you're not going to be able to choose ads against programming it's going to be only against audiences kids are never going to get targeted so there's a lot of there's a lot of rules around how they're going to be uh, managing the advertising which is good um and of course they kept they kept talking about how terrible hbo was in terms of tech but it's an unrivaled content slate i think you tend to agree i mean hbo has the best content slate ever so I don't care how the user interfaces or whatever else. And in India, we get it on Hotstar, so it's fine. But uh, you know, everything about HBO, HBO, and I'm talking about HBO Max on the OTT side, right? So another thing they said, which is interesting, which I didn't know, that it was that Netflix is no longer bleeding. Apparently, they're breaking even and uh, they're still creating and producing great content. So yes, yeah, so I, as a consumer, you as a consumer. we are loyal to our content not necessarily to the platform 
right? And I would readily share, you know, what I like and what I watched earlier with Prime or with Netflix or with Disney, so that I could get more of a similar kind of content across these platforms. Yes. So yeah, so I, maybe aggregations in the future. Maybe we'll have you know somebody who's like picking up things from every single OTT platform, and at that point in time, you know, we'll all say, "Oh my God, things always are changing but staying the same," because that's what your set top box and that's what all your your cable TV operators do. I actually like what Amazon Prime has done, um, and I have this every time I read anything about any of the big streaming giants. at the back of my mind i'm thinking oh my god amazon prime is just laughing in a corner <laughs> of this room because yeah. their business model is very different from everybody else primarily because of the diverse portfolio of products that they offer through prime right but i recently noticed that through my prime video subscription i can access lionsgate i can access hey you i can access content from other streaming partners and for me i think that's what aggregation is going to look like not really a single sign on where i can sign into every platform i'm not sure if that level of collaboration will ever happen true but this which is a modern take on syndication um is i think going to really really change the game and it's nice to see someone do it that someone is amazon prime but i noticed it recently and i thought huh that's that's something yeah. that doesn't need me to change anything true i have the same subscription as before but it also allowed me to pay within the prime app for yeah. a hey you subscription for lions gate yeah, i was true. trying to watch this new show called gaslit which is only available on lions gate which is available within prime which i had to pay a little bit for but the payment itself was seamless because yeah, so it was no friction linked. there right no uh, speaking of friction you go into the theater i watched doctor strange uh, and in the multiverse and i kept calling it the metaverse so you know what's on my mind all the time <laughs> and um this podcast kind of talks about why you why we will continue to go to the theater um so there are three reasons and they're all s's and the and they are superheroes sequels and scaries so you would always go to the theater to watch you know these kind of genres of of movies and this is obviously very us centric um but i feel like it kind of trickles down a little bit for us in india as well uh, nothing beats a good bollywood movie or a big action flick Uh, on your screen for us here but uh, yeah it was an interesting podcast uh, which brings me to you were raving about a recent podcast that you listened to which again from the vox uh, family from kara um what did you say on sway this year uh, this month last week's week episode Sorry. of sway was titled are we in a media reckoning okay um if you look at the last several months there has been a series of events starting with AT&T's um unloading should we say of of a bunch of their acquisitions to CNN plus shutting down to Netflix putting out its subscription numbers and that leading the world into a spin which talked about the impact of covid and pointing fingers at the whole world and saying you guys shared passwords and that's why we're in this situation but Kara's broad question was are we at an inflection point are we seeing a dramatic series of changes today and it was an interesting conversation for several reasons one of which was of course yes we are at the end of certain eras and we are at the beginning of certain eras but if you if you map the last 20 years that's always been the case 
and much like the early 90s there are businesses that will spawn today based on what happens in the world of identity in the world of measurement and also in the world of i want to say streaming capital cable was a tried and tested model that lasted for a long time and a lot of organizations built vehemence on the back of that model but with the advent of the internet that we know today netflix pioneered as we all know the model of streaming and how you could build a large business on top of it but what kara discusses on the podcast is the fact that today given the fact that we are possibly or maybe already in economic turmoil the fact that capital is now a little funkier than it used to be means that sound business models will be will have to come to light and now the public markets are slamming companies who don't have sound business models and this is not this does not mean the end of these companies or the end of an era because they've done many things right they've put out great content original investing in original content has proved to be a good thing for these organizations but their business metrics have to show up which is why netflix is looking to advertising and kara and her team talk about the fact that there is no point being like super idealistic and saying we'll never use ads we'll never do this we'll never do that your models have to evolve because and you can do it differently you don't okay. have to really toe the line on how advertising is actually yes. done right absolutely. you can you can absolutely change the game and yes. that's pretty much what we're doing also in this company we're trying yes. to change the game yes. right as in challenging how work gets done similarly with advertising i don't think we need to have like in your face 300 by 250 banners or you know you um, user disrupting video ads they can do so many things and i like i keep saying this whole gaming rail that they have they have launched can definitely be a forerunner for them so when i was listening to the news about cnn plus shutting down within 3 months i was conflicted because the 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 media and streaming geek in me went you know this was never a good idea to begin with not everybody can start another streaming app we're talking about subscription fatigue we're talking about the business viability of of these models on one hand and there's a lot of people that scara talks about schandenfreude yeah um, you're going to say it with a german accent schandenfreude <laughs> which of course there's a lot of people who are pointing at cnn plus and saying you know you were wrong all along and we knew it and ha ha but the entrepreneur in me is saying oh no yeah there's hundreds of people who did work and it's good that you pulled the plug early and i kind of feel like it was a good call to not let this it's kind of it was kind of like foreboding right yeah. now we're seeing so much happening in the startup world as well in terms of layoffs and why combinator putting out their 10 point agenda yes. on preparing for the apocalypse oh my god apocalypse <laughs> yeah yes i mean it's a it's a double edged sword right but when you know that something is not going to work but then companies like cnn i assume can really take the hit yes. i mean their experimentation it was could, a brave call it was a brave call to pull the plug on something i mean there is some maybe embarrassment but you should not care about it yeah, if I mean, it makes sound business sense of course correct which i think is actually going to set the winners apart from here on if we stand here at this point in time and, and try and predict who is going to win as always as with businesses for decades and centuries the businesses that can adapt will win it's just that today adaptation is something that has to be much faster yeah. and you have to be far more nimble and so netflix saying i will shed this early belief where i said that we will never show ads and try and figure out a way to make ads work for a quarter of our consumers is for me them adapting yep now 
there is a harsh reality to how they'll have to go about doing that and i hope that they'll do it smartly what do you think they're going to do i know that trade desk is like putting their hat in the ring everybody's having yeah, like their so. bets out there i think so look the the advertising market itself has evolved to a place where the programmatic capabilities and the kinds of models that we talked about on our retail podcast where you can have a part wall garden but you can also expose certain pipes to the programmatic world either to attract demand or to share data responsibly so that you can make the most revenue while holding on to whatever ideals you hold dear to you which could be user experience it could be privacy it could be anything that sets you apart or is is your core set of values as an organization i think the ability to tap into technology the way it is today and adapt i think that netflix showing ads is not a bad thing it probably will never affect consumers who are already willing to pay for it but it will open up netflix to a segment of consumers who are not willing to pay or don't want to pay or cannot pay and that will help them grow and sustain the business which is kind of what we all want yeah. so speaking of schadenfreude kara was talking about the fact that netflix pumps 17 18 20 billion dollars into the content ecosystem that's how much they spend on original content every year i am pretty sure hollywood does not want that money to go away because it creates jobs for so many people in the industry hollywood bollywood everywhere it's global right we see so many of our friends who are in production at netflix as well yeah so there are people who will want netflix to survive and we all do yep. i don't think any one of us wants these businesses to fail given how much we benefit from these businesses both as technology providers in the industry as well as consumers. Yeah. Speaking of businesses and doing well and badly, uh, this week also saw a spate of companies release their results, especially in the ad tech space. We've got Pubmatic, Critio, TDD, everybody doing pretty well. Pubmatic is up by 25% year on year, Critio 13. I think TDD is in the high 40s, I think 43% if I'm not mistaken. Everybody's doing okay and everybody's doing new things. Like Critio recently uh, announced uh, a partnership with Flipkart. They are kind of ex- ex- uh, exploring retail media in a big way. Pubmatic is all about SPO as we know and they recently released a CTV um, in Europe uh, report as well which I haven't had the time to read so I didn't want to kind of get into it in this podcast. But a lot of people trying new things also there are older things that are also getting a kind of a new lease of life for example product placements i know on this table we have a couple of things that we've turned down because we don't know whether they want to be shown in our podcast or no on the recording of the podcast but putting a coke can on a new table has always been one of those go to explanations of what is a product placement now with technology you are able to actually dynamically replace a coke can or a banner or anything within a frame which is fantastic i read about it um in uh, about it recently TechCrunch. in TechCrunch yes and even amagi was talking about this recently in CTV so it's it's an interesting space and i feel like this is also something that we can do it's also very implicit so for example if somebody's driving down the road and i have a banner or a or a hoarding i can easily replace it with something that's far more current yeah i like that the larger trends in modern day advertising are all about ads trying to be endemic to the platform yeah. trying to embed themselves yeah. in a non intrusive fashion because i think if we if we keep aside the fact that advertising must survive as an industry because it funds so much for for the world yeah, and i and like ads i don't know why any i mean when we were growing up we would have ad jingles on our minds we would 
come running back to watch them. Yeah, and I think and what changed is the fact that they got so intrusive. Yeah. I think bottom line for me is just that. Yeah. I, I like I like an ad on the front page of my newspaper, but I don't like that little flap yes. in front of it. It's that, so annoying. That I have to get out of it. So the fact that ad formats got intrusive because the industry was trying to figure itself out created this very negative relationship between consumers and ads. But the bottom line is if we think about what ads give us, which is the fact that they subsidize the medium as well as expose us to products that we consume and like and probably want to have a deeper relationship with. The way forward is going to have to be ads that are more endemic to the platform, whether that's ads in the metaverse that are a part of our experience, native ads on, on websites and apps that don't come in the way of what we are primarily there to experience. Um, we, I think two weeks ago, some of the folks in our team were talking about ads in gaming on consoles. Yeah. And FIFA is, of course, a great example because on the sidelines of the football field, there is or there have always been ads. And so the fact that a gaming console can do that dynamically, much like you could dynamically change product placements, um, puts a very different spin on ads and gives us a very um, a softer experience, I yeah. would say. So it reminds me of House of Cards. Yeah. Remember the very first true. ever show I watched where I didn't know a product placement had hit me and um, everybody was using an iPhone on in the first season and then a Blackberry in the second season. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. yeah. I've seen the, I've seen the Microsoft, I've seen InStyle Magazine and it's very, it's very implicit. But I feel like ads can be informative or entertaining and I'm really hoping the age of entertaining ads will come back on Netflix because I miss it. I know Ryan Reynolds does a lot of stuff with Mountain in their CTV creative department, but um, I find the entertaining ads few and far in between. And I feel like we're all, we've all entered that space where we like and appreciate good content. And if it comes from our brand that we like, I think we, it endears that brand further to us. It's a point of conversation for us as well. Speaking of conversation, I, I know that you went and spoke to Amplify Analytics yesterday and addressed a whole bunch of uh, very eager minds. What did you say? Um, Amplify, who is our data science partner, had their global town hall yesterday and um, it was very kind of them to invite me to speak and address a group of data scientists, which I was, of course, petrified to do. <laughs> but they were broadly looking to understand the opportunities that exist in media for data science as a practice. And I did not know where to begin because everywhere you look, with media having a broader definition today and not just being media companies, but encompassing everything that the internet offers, every service, everything we consume, everywhere there is data that's being shared. And you look at media being entertainment, content, e-commerce, gaming, telecom, and several industries that today create this portfolio of things that we consume through the internet. Every one of them is going to be won by companies that can leverage data and adapt. Going back to something we discussed a few minutes ago. And so it was fun to jam with this team about everything from the shifting definition of media the dynamic nature in which the internet is changing and what Web3 is going to bring in terms of putting the spotlight on creators and creating a better uh, infrastructure for, for the internet, the shifting nature of currency and what crypto is going to build for us. Um, and we left off in that conversation by talking about the common trends that we see in every media conference today, which is wall gardens, retail media, data clean rooms, identity, um, and of course, sustainability. So that was fun to talk about. And it was nice to talk to a group of people who were looking to solve for these problems through data science, which is their primary practice. And so it was fun. It was fun to talk to this team, a bunch of really, really bright folks 
who are solving some of the world's largest data problems uh, through their practice. That sounds fun. It's always great to talk to people. Did you get a lot of questions from them? Did you have yes questions that needed me to really really think hard? <laughs> Anything interesting? Um, very broad questions, I think, towards the end, which is. Um, where can we see the biggest applications of blockchain as media changes oh as my. an industry? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many places. You so many places. That. I think the two biggest ones, which is what we ended up with, are one is today, I think we don't see cryptocurrency as a mainstream mode of transaction in media. And I think that's going to change. And two is companies like Achilles, people who are building data clean rooms, folks who are going to leverage blockchain to drive verification verification of data verification of delivery verification of ad spend i think these are the two broad use cases but if if our industry has taught me anything it's that your assumptions are going to get tossed out of the window very soon yeah very true well that was an interesting week and uh, there's lots more coming up next week as well and uh, you know we are we're happy to get any kind of feedback that you know you listeners are uh, you know you want to give us yeah. uh, I did not talk about the weather today but we did talk about sustainability so thank you Anand and thank you everybody else for listening have a great weekend bye